the presentation of anarchism, anarchism. as social philosophy which aims at the emancipation, economic, social, political, and spiritual of the human race. The Anarchist Essays is brought to you by Loughborough University's Anarchism Research Group. For more information on the ARG, see the link in the show notes or follow us on Twitter at ARGLBORO. Food Anarchy and the State Monopoly on Hunger by Hannah Cass. Adapted from a journal article by the same name published in the Journal of Peasant Studies. The food sovereignty movement has undergone various definitions and redefinitions, coalescing around the radical democratization of food production and provision. The broad umbrella of food sovereignty and its many iterations need not constrain our creativity in how we interpret it. In fact, it unleashes critical political possibilities. This essay carves a path for food anarchy by following Via Campesina's definition of food sovereignty, the right of peoples to healthy and culturally appropriate food produced through ecologically sound and sustainable methods, and their right to define their own food and agriculture systems. Food anarchy, as a distinct interpretation of food sovereignty, takes this definition at face value wherein people directly define and organize their own agri-food systems and seize their right to food through direct action. It builds a new agri-food system of many overlapping sovereignties within selves and communities in the shell of the old food regime. This essay explores the relationship between the state, capitalism, and property and its implications for actualizing the food sovereignty movement through the vehicle of the state. The state can be defined in part by its monopoly on the legitimate use of violence, force, and coercion within the bounds of a given territory, crushing or domesticating other sovereignties within that claim. To acquire this power, the state protects property to secure a steady supply of capital to draw upon through taxation. The state uses this capital to build its monopoly. To keep this cycle of capital intact, the state uses its extracted capital to wage a social war, domesticating people and landscapes to produce citizens and products in service of state power and capital. The complementary state-making and war-making apparatus of militarization and civilianization and their reliance on the wage, property, and state system undermines food sovereignty and subordinates it to the state. This war relation underpins another kind of state monopoly on violence, the state monopoly on hunger. This monopoly, embedded within its monopoly on violence, justifies the need for food anarchy as an offshoot of food sovereignty. Private property and state support of capital, including agribusiness, reign supreme at every level of government. The means to produce and consume food is extracted from us when our property is privatized, 
and as a result, our labor power must be sold in order to feed ourselves. The enclosure movement created a violent feedback loop between property, capitalism, and the state. Property underpins capitalism, and the state's use of force, coercion, and violence to maintain power legitimizes property. Political subjects then become beholden to this interdependent state-capital-property trinity by the threat of hunger and poverty if they do not participate in it. Dispossession allows for capital accumulation, and dispossession is institutionalized by property, forcing the dispossessed to rely on wage labor under the looming threat of hunger. The state's protection of property remains a pillar of social war, articulating a combined militarized enclosure of people from resources and a domestication of the governed into capitalism's designated mechanisms for acquiring food and land. The wars of modern state formation have historically been waged through the two fundamental war-making relations of state formation, militarization and civilianization. As European empires fought for territory with increasingly sophisticated weapons of war, more and more capital was required to sustain and grow the technologies fighting these wars. A forced means of extraction was created to help militarize states, which we know today as taxation. In order to quell revolt from the tax citizenry, the trust, dependence, and consent of the governed populace was coerced, and their needs adequately pacified by marrying the state with domestic politics. Civilians were placed at the helm of the growing bureaucracies of war and state-making, and their satisfaction was incorporated into the state's legitimation process. War, its bureaucracies of extraction, and the continuation of capitalism to fund that extraction formed the internal structure and civil society of the modern state. These two arms of the war-making state, militarization and civilianization, are the birthplaces of counterinsurgency from which a social war is waged. This interconnected relationship between the state its need to extract capital to stay in power and hold violence above the heads of the populace for property to secure capital accumulation, and for peasant dispossession from the land, the state capital property trinity, represent the engineering of hunger as a form of state violence and social war. This monopoly amounts to the state's concentration of the means of control over whether or not people are hungry or satiated. Breaking up the state monopoly on hunger decentralizes and liberates access to those means of control to empower everyone who eats. The equal ability to access food and land depends upon breaking up the state's concentrated capitalist control over that access. It means taking food and land back from the state and its protection of capitalist means of eating and growing. It requires the interruption of the manufactured and protected transformation of basic needs for food and land into violently privatized commodities. The state's institutionalized protection extends to the protection of private property rights, providing a forcibly forged oasis of capital for the state to perpetually extract 
to keep itself alive. The state and its social relations forces, coerces, and civilizes its citizens to feed themselves from within the confines of the state capital property trinity. The organization of the monopoly on hunger is embedded in the trinity's norms, relationships, enforcements, and enclosures, which carefully demarcate and legitimize state power, conduct, and social relations of food production and provision. The capitalist social relationships organized to rule food systems are at the core of food politics. Capitalism, be it welfarist, neoliberal, or anywhere in between, remains stabilized as the normalized option for feeding ourselves and each other. It manifests in the grocery store, the navigation of carefully priced commodities and orderly stocked shelves, and the surveilled retail transaction as the only ways many citizens know how to obtain sustenance. It is the addictive salt and fat and sugar, the triggering of a craving by a TV commercial seen in a rare moment of solace from work, the ease and cheapness of the drive through and exhausted, the colorful Happy Meal toy keeping the kiddo quiet, it's the nosy neighbor snitching on zoning law violations and trespassing. The fence and cameras expectantly surrounding empty fallow farmland owned by Bill Gates, Bayer Monsanto, the Chinese Communist Party. The social war of the monopoly on hunger is the boundless diffusion of the state capital property trinity's infiltration, its engineering of social vulnerability and life itself. Hunger, and the necessity of selling one's labor power in order to avoid it, is itself a weapon of capitalist social war, deployed in order to keep workers working. Economist Joseph Townsend theorized that wielding hunger as a weapon and withholding relief unless absolutely necessary to quell revolt was key to the functioning of capitalism. Hunger manufactured the wage as the only relief from hunger, despite it also acting as an incentive for selling one's labor power for a wage in the first place. Meanwhile, the terms of hunger are trapped within the state-sanctioned sphere of capitalism and property. If hungry people wanted to resist the current food regime using direct action, rather than looking to the state, capitalism, or NGOs to provide solutions to hunger, then they risk facing violent repression and counterinsurgency campaigns. Peasant farmers cannot just squat on agribusiness private property and grow a grassroots solution to hunger without facing state violence, nor can hungry people steal food from food business establishments without risking their freedom or livelihood. Carceral society is instrumental to imposing the present agricultural arrangement. A charged fence of state property protection surrounds the wealth of food and land right in front of us. We, the people and political subjects ruled by the state, may not choose to cross the fence. We may instead go to the food pantry or NGO, to glean the spoils of those who are willing to throw down some charity from atop their perch of greater fortune. 
sign up for food stamps, follow its rules, and buy only what the state is graciously allowing us to eat. Rent a neatly confined community garden plot. Protest and pressure and petition our politicians to do something. We try and survive the social war by internalizing and normalizing the only options for satiety that we are given. Relying on the state to give us these forms of satiation is reflective of the normalized violence of hunger and dispossession that we accept as routine, an everyday part of political life. That we cannot just squat on agribusiness land and grow food, or take it from grocery store shelves without violent consequences, risking our lives and livelihoods. We may deeply fear taking such risks, paralyzed by the panoptic realities of surviving in a state-surveilled society, controlled by the cops in our heads. The state decides the conditions of our ability to eat or starve, and trains us to accept these conditions and carefully allocated solutions to the problems these conditions perpetuate. Offering anarchist and abolitionist visions, food anarchy advances horizontal dual power, as well as insurrectionary anarchist and networked abolitionist viral subversion. Building alternative worlds intentionally rooted in food sovereignty principles exemplifies a dual power strategy for countering the corporate food regime. This strategy can be built through mutual aid to cultivate a popular power from the grassroots. A more social anarchist variety of food anarchy, built through the organization of new counterworlds, meant to counter the power of the capitalist state with a better, people-powered replacement. These strategies might align with Peter Kropotkin's anarcho-communist vision of the food system, in which communities are the food sovereigns, governing the food system without a state or capitalism through an ethos of mutual aid. Food anarchy may also embody a more insurrectionary or individualist variety, with a focus on self-sovereignty, direct confrontation, and freedom from the prisons of organizationalism and ideology. This variety might use direct action to dismantle the current order, led by individuals or informal affinity groups, using strategies such as looting, arson, property destruction, or the occupation of space. These forms of food anarchy need not be dichotomized, they are often interconnected and wielded in tandem. Food anarchy can embody a mixture of these different types of anarchy, using a diversity of tactics, commonly focused on the use of direct action, to dismantle the old and build the new. Peasants in rural Argentina, for example, have a long history of prefigurative politics and anarchistic forms of political organization in response to political economic crises. A popular uprising against neoliberalization in 2001 led to the creation of neighborhood assemblies and the seizure of factories, constituting a collaborative blend of insurrectionary and communalist tactics for achieving food anarchy. Peasants have established a strong network of anarcho-syndicalist federations, each organization has a base community 
which meets regularly to discuss local issues, as well as those brought by delegates of other organizations that concern the community, including the people themselves in decision-making processes. In 2013, Fisher Folk in Mexico led an insurrection against a wind energy company and government actors. After exclusion from negotiations, non-existent consultations, losing access to the sea, and wind turbine foundation construction killing off the fish that people relied upon for sustenance, Zapotec and Yakut people initiated a militant struggle for their land, sea, and cultural integrity. In the global north, the Occupy the Farm movement took public agricultural research land back from the University of California Berkeley's plans to develop it into a shopping center through direct action. Food Not Bombs, an anarchistic direct action organization with chapters around the world, cooks free meals and gives them away freely. Food Not Bombs flourished from feeding protesters at the Battle for Seattle demonstrations at the World Trade Organization in 1999, an anarchistic extension of the food sovereignty struggle which occurred there. From Food Not Bombs came Food Not Lawns, an organization which emphasizes guerrilla gardening, dumpster diving, and building community around growing food wherever possible. In Atlanta, Georgia, anarchists, among other factions, are fighting the Atlanta Police Foundation's destruction of the Atlanta forest for the construction of a police training facility using a range of tactics, the blockaded occupation of the forest with robust mutual aid infrastructures, destruction and stoppage of bulldozers, and demonstrations, among others. Mutual aid-based food recovery and distribution grew exponentially in cities all over the United States during the COVID-19 pandemic, and have remained lifelines for many in its political and economic aftermath. Food anarchy also flourishes in the mutual aid that we all engage in all the time. When we feed ourselves, our families, and our friends in the simple spirit of love and togetherness. Whatever approach the food anarchist adopts, food anarchy rejects reliance on concentrations of power in authoritative hierarchies to survive and creates something new. Thank you for listening. To help others find Anarchist Essays, please rate and review us wherever you find your podcasts. And if you're interested in anarchist ideas, why not check out the journal Anarchist Studies? For over 20 years, Anarchist Studies has been publishing original research on the history, theory, and practice of anarchism. For more information, visit www.lwbooks.co.uk forward slash anarchist studies.